Last week we began a new series of messages um, called Power, talking about uh, the power. Last week we talked about the power of the resurrection, and uh, we were in Ephesians chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles with you today, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, all our scripture that we're going to use will be on the screen. But if you do have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to start off with verse 1 in just a minute. Now, last week, if you were here, if you weren't here, by the way, all the messages that we do every week are on our website. You can go on there and find those. I'd encourage you to do that. Last week's message, we talked about how there was power without equal, and that is the power that raised Jesus from the dead, and how that power is available for everybody who believes in Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, and you really are a Christian, then the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you in your everyday life, whatever it is that you've got going on. And if you remember the last few verses of, of Ephesians chapter 1, it's all talking about the greatness of Jesus. Remember we talked about how it said that everything, all things were under his feet and, uh, and, and that he had authority and, and that he was the head of the church. And so it was talking about all this stuff about how great Jesus is. And then when we get to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, you see that there's a change just by the first three words of verse 1. Because at the end of, of chapter 1, it was like, hey, Jesus is awesome. And then verse 1 of chapter 2 says, as for you. And it kind of reminded me of, I had an English teacher in high school who always liked to tell the class that I was in about how one of her other classes was really smart. And how they, they were so creative and they paid attention and they worked so hard. And then she would talk about them and then she would look at us and say, but y'all are lazy, you cut up all the time, some of you are dumb. She didn't really say that, but that's kind of what you felt like as a student. And she was right. I know I was lazy and I cut up way too much in that class and the guy that sat next to me did too. But, but anyway, but, but so she was always making this comparison and that's kind of what's happening here. In the end of, of chapter 1, it's, it's Jesus is awesome. Jesus has all authority under him. Jesus is the head of the church. And then look at Ephesians 2, verse 1. It says, as for you, and you know there's some hard truth coming after those words. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. I'm not going to spend a long time on this, but let me just stop here at verse 2 and say this. It says that you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. That's talking about the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, whatever ver word you want to use this in the scripture. And I want you to understand that we sometimes think that we can do things our own way, but what the scripture tells us is that if we're not seeking to follow God's path, if we're on another spirit and we're following, doing things in another way, then we're following the way that Satan would have us go. We're following the spirit who is now at work within us of those who are disobedient. That's the spirit of Satan that's wanting to push us in the wrong direction. Now, verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Now, when you read those first three verses, that's some bad news. And it has words in there like it talks about us being dead in our transgressions and sins. It says that we were disobedient. It says that we were objects of wrath. And so what we're going to talk about today, last week we talked about power without equal. Today we're talking about power 
that kills. Power that kills. Because all those words in verse 3 are describing a power that causes us to be dead in our transgressions and sins. And there's two words in there that kind of indicate what we're talking about. And those words are by nature. If you look in verse 3, the last few words, it says, We were by nature objects of wrath. Now, you understand what it means when it says by nature, don't you? Those are things that come natural to us. And, and there's, all of us have those things. There's a lot of things that come natural to me. One thing, uh, some of them are good, some of them are bad. One thing that's probably neither good nor bad is, um, one thing that comes natural to me is reacting to music. When I, there, when I hear music, it just, it, you know, it makes me want to move, even though I can't really dance. It makes me want to sing along. Uh, the other day, I had an Otis Redding on my iPod playing in the house, and, uh, and this Otis Redding song came on, and I was just listening to it, and I was just walking through the house by myself, and it went on, and I went, mm. I mean, it just made me just go, mm. just hearing him sing, you know, just he was pouring his heart out to some woman who had done him wrong, and I just went, oh, man. And, uh, and it was, and that, that just came out of me. It just came natural. I didn't think to myself, I'm going to make a sound. I'm going to respond to this music, and I'm going to calculate this. No, it just came out. It was natural. Now, there's other things that, that come natural to me that, that aren't so good. Um, one of the things that comes natural to me that's not good is if, if, if someone does something wrong to me, and I know that they're, they're running me down and all that kind of stuff, when I see them, I want to just get in their face and cuss them out. That's what comes natural to me. We, we, uh, my wife and I, we ran into some people a couple years ago, and, and I knew that this guy had just been doing his best to, to tell everybody about how terrible I am, and I'm this and I'm that, and he was making up lies about me. And when I saw that guy, he came up and shook my hand, and it was all that I could do. I was having to hold back so bad because I had to smile and say, yeah, how you doing? But what I really was wanting to do is I had a line of cuss words that I wanted to just lay out on him that would have made Joe Pesci blush. I mean, that's, I just wanted to just let him hold it right there in his face. And, and that's, not, that's not a good thing, but it was something that comes natural to me. And maybe you've got some of those same things. Maybe if you're honest, you've got some things that you would say, yeah, this is something that's unhealthy it's ungodly, it's just not good, but it comes natural to me. Whether it's maybe yelling at your kids all the time or ignoring your husband or talking down to your wife or abusing a substance every time you feel stressed out or, or fantasizing about the lady that works down the hall from you. It's all things that, that you don't have to try to make yourself do. It's things that you find yourself doing or find yourself wanting to do just naturally and you can't really describe it you can't really understand where it comes from and and see what we have to understand is what these first three verses are telling us here in Ephesians chapter 2 is that all of us when we enter the world when we come into the world with our fists balled up and our and screaming crying and kicking and the way you come out uh, into the world when we show up that as soon as we enter the world the power that kills is unleashed on us and that power that kills is the power of sin See, all of us are born with a natural inclination to sin. We're not, we don't come into the world, you know, we think all babies are perfect and they are perfect when they're little. It's so awesome, right? But when you have a little child, do you have to teach that child to be selfish or do you have to teach that child to share? You have to teach that child to share, don't you? Most kids want to, you know, you give them like, you, you offer a kid a, a dime or a nickel and what are they going to take? They're going to take the nickel because it's bigger. That's just what we come into the world. 
And, and so, so we come into the world with a natural inclination to sin. And, and that's what it says in verse 3 when it says there, all of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. That's, that's the natural reaction for us is to go against what God would have for us. And see, there's a, there's a, a, a way of thinking in today's world when it comes to our sinful nature that's really dangerous. The way, it, the way of thinking in today's world is that if it comes natural, then it must be okay. I mean, Lady Gaga has a whole song about that, you know. I'm on the right track because I was born this way. And, and, that's, and, that's, and there's a whole way of thinking that says, listen, if I was born feeling that I should do this, then you can't tell me that it's wrong. And, and so there's, a, there's a, 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 a thinking in the world and a push in the world to say, if it comes natural, then it's right. But what Scripture tells us is that what comes natural to us is not what's good. And so, so when it says there in, in verse 3, see, what, what, what the world wants us to do is they want us to be comfortable with our sinful nature. They want us to accept our sinful nature. They want us to act on our sinful nature because that's natural. That, that should be the way you live. But what verse 3 says is it says, All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Now listen to this last part. This should make us not comfortable with our sinful nature, but this should make us scared enough to do something about our sinful nature, and that's this. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. See, by nature there has two meanings. One is it's talking about our nature, which we just talked about. Our nature is sinful. Our nature is sinful, excuse me. But the other nature that it's talking about is the nature of God. The reason we are objects of wrath due to our sinful nature is because the nature of God is the complete opposite of our nature. We are by nature sinful. God is by nature perfect. God is by nature without sin. Deuteronomy 32.4, look at it on the screen. You don't have to look it up. It says this, talking about God. He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. So because of the perfect nature of God and because of our sinful nature, then he has to punish sin. Sin has to be punished. Because God is like, um, in the scripture, one of the, one of the words that's used to describe, over, describe God over and over again is God is described as a loving father. Now those of you that are parents now or have raised kids, Know that if you're, you're a good parent, if you're doing what you're supposed to do as a parent, you've got to discipline your kids from time to time, don't you? Some of you are like, dude, you don't know my kids. I have to discipline them like every day. So, but you have, to, you have to discipline your kids. That's what you have to do. And I can remember as a, as a kid myself, um, there were t- different times in my life, and maybe you were like this. Did, did you ever have a time when you were a kid when you were just kind of doing your thing and all of a sudden you just got popped out of nowhere and you didn't even feel it? Didn't even know it was coming. You didn't realize you were doing anything. It's just like all of a sudden, pow! You're like, what in the world? Man, my mama just slapped me upside the head. And, I, and uh, you know, there were some of those I can remember. My mom had a wooden spoon, and uh, you know, there were times I'd be in there, and I just and usually for me, it always had to do with me running my mouth, and and I'm in there just talking and doing stuff, and all of a sudden I get a, a pop on the back of the leg that brought me to my knees, and then I didn't even see it coming. 
And, and that's what, that's what this, this scripture, to me, it reminds me of because God is our loving Father and we're here on earth and, and we're just kind of doing our thing. We're out there running around. We're, you know, hey, I was born this way. I can do whatever I want. I can live however I want. And we don't even understand that there is a punishment coming that's going to totally take us by surprise. Because the, 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 where it says here that we were by nature objects of wrath, the idea behind that word is that it's, it's God building up, building up, building up punishment that's going to come at the end of time. And if we leave this earth living in our sinful nature, having done nothing about our sinful nature, then when we leave this earth, all of the wrath of God, all of the punishment of God that's been building up the whole time we've been on earth is going to hit us and we're not even going to see it coming. And it's going to be unbelievable. Now those first three verses, that's some bad news, isn't it? I mean, if, if, if it ended, if the story ended at the end of those three verses, that would be like going to see a movie and, you know, Darth Vader taking over the galaxy and Lord Voldemort killing Harry Potter and the ring wraiths taking the ring from Frodo all at one time. I'm a little embarrassed that I just completely nerded out on three movies like that, but I'm a closet nerd. But that's some bad news. But when we get, just like I told you, the first three words of verse 1 changed the tone when it said, as for you, and that changed the tone. Look at the first word of verse 4. And I want you to say it out loud with me, as loud as you can. The first word of verse 4 is what? Come on, say it louder than that. But, with one T, but. Now that totally changes the tone of what we just read. Verse 3 verses are bad news, but there's good news following it. Look at verse 4 through 10. I'm going to read all six of these, and then we're going to go back and talk about it a little bit. Verse 4. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of, gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If the first three verses were talking about our nature and us living by nature, then these verses are talking about grace and us living by grace. That's the, that's, the, that's the term in here that we see a couple different times, living by grace. And so verses 4 and 5 there, those two verses, the way it changes from what we just read in verses 1, 2, and 3, it gives us so much hope. And because, I love the beginning, look at, look at 4 and 5 again. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The first part of verse 4 says, because of his great love for us. And I want you to understand something today. That God didn't have to do anything about our sin if he didn't want to. The fact that we, the fact that we come into the world and, and our sinful nature begins to, to take over our lives. And the fact that we were dead in our transgressions. And the fact that we were dead in our sins. If God didn't want to, 
he, could, he didn't have to do anything. He could have left us there. But it's because of his love. He made a choice to do something for us. And it was out of his great love for us. I loved it when, when David Fawcett a while ago said the, said the prayer. And he said in his prayer, God, you love us like crazy. And I think that's a great... We can't even understand how much he loves us. He loves us like crazy. He loves us way more than, than any, than any uh, love you've ever experienced on earth. I know that you love your, your wife or your husband or Justin Bieber or whoever it is that you love. And you just think, man... I just love you so much. And the love that God has for you blows that away so much because of what he did for us. He chose to help us. And so it was his love that moved us from dead in our transgressions to making us alive in Christ. But that was done by grace. Verse 5, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Then verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved. Now, there's another word in there in verse 4. It says that God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. And it is by grace. I want you to understand today what God's mercy and what God's grace is. When, um, I didn't ask Emily permission to share this story, but I'm about to, baby. Um, when my daughter Emily, who is now a, a teenager and was up here playing a while ago, when she was about four years old, um, one day, while Sherry was teaching piano lessons, Emily found a Sharpie. And uh, I guess she just thought, you know what? There's a lot of stuff in this house that this Sharpie can write on. And uh, I was at the office, minding my own business, working, and Sherry calls me, and she says, you have got to come home right now. There's only two times she's ever done that. One time was when there was a black snake about five feet long in our driveway, and the other time was this time. And so I said, I'll be right there. And I hung up and I came home. But when I got home, Emily was in her room crying at that point. And uh, there was Sharpie marks uh, everywhere. They were uh, on the hardwood floors, on the back of my recliner, uh, down the, the keys of the piano. Um, they were on the walls. She wrote her name beautifully. I mean, great for a four-year-old, but she wrote it on the wall. And, uh, and the E was about this big, you know. And uh, she, we even had a ficus tree. She even wrote on the, on the ficus tree, on the trunk of the ficus tree. So she just wrote on everything. Now, obviously, there was some punishment that followed that, right? It just had to be. And, uh, and there was, you know. And by the way, let me tell you something. They're not really permanent markers. Let me tell you the formula for getting out a permanent marker. It takes the tears of the child who wrote on stuff the tears of the mother who's upset that it happened, and some 409, those three things combined together, they got all of that stuff up, right? Now, I did have to over, I had to paint over her name on the wall. but, but uh, so, so, that, so that happened. Now, now here's the thing. If, if after that happened, if I had come home and I had said, okay, Emily deserves to be punished for that, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to punish her. I'm not going to spank her. I'm not going to send her to a room. I'm not even going to fuss at her. I'm not going to punish her. You know what that would have been? That would have been mercy. Mercy is the withholding of deserved punishment. Now, we just read in the first three verses what punishment is deserved for our sins. It's, for our sins, death and, and spending eternity in hell, that's what we deserve for our sins. It's the mercy of God that withholds that punishment. Now, if when I'd gotten home, if I had said to Emily, 
hey, I know you wrote on the walls, and that's wrong, but we're going to go to Walmart, you and me, and I'm going to buy you the biggest dollhouse that they sell at Walmart, or whatever toy you want. You just choose it, and that's what I'm going to give to you, even though you wrote on the walls. That would have been grace. Grace, where mercy is the withholding of deserved punishment, grace is the giving of an undeserved gift. And so, what, so what, what it says here in these few verses when it talks about, for it is by grace you have been saved. See, we don't deserve to be saved from our sins. We don't deserve to be raised to be made alive in Christ even though we're dead in our sins. We deserve punishment. But God not only withholds the punishment, but He also, by grace, saves us from our sins. He gives us something we don't deserve. And so it is by the mercy of God and it is by the grace of God that we are able to no longer have to live dead in our transgressions and our sins, but we can be made alive in Christ. And the thing that we have to understand is, is that the grace only comes because of what Jesus did on the cross. Look at verses 4 through 6. And, uh, or five, look at five, 4 through 6. Let's read them all. And every time it says something about Christ, I want you to say it with me. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Say it with me. With Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross that we're able then to experience the grace of God, that we're able to experience the mercy of God. And the reason that happens is this. I want you to understand this. Mercy is withholding of deserved punishment. The mercy, we experience the mercy of God. It's The deserved punishment has been withheld from us, but it wasn't withheld from Jesus. He took our punishment. And so the reason we can experience mercy is because he received the punishment. And grace is us getting something we didn't deserve. The reason we can receive that is because Jesus gave that up for us. See, what we receive by grace is we receive heaven forever. A perfect life in heaven that will never end. Jesus gave that up for us. He was in heaven. He had that life. He, he didn't have to worry about sin. He didn't have to deal with all the stuff we deal with. And instead, he chose to come to earth and give up the perfection of heaven. He chose to take on a body that's just like ours, that, that gets sore when you run too much, that gets out of breath, that gets sick, that deals with all of those things. He chose to take on all of that, and he gave up heaven willingly for us. And that's why we can then experience the mercy of God and the grace of God. Because Jesus took everything that should have been put on us and he took it on himself when he died on the cross. See, power that kills, the power of sin is a real thing. And I, I think you know that. Even if you're here at church for the first time, I think you understand that the power of sin is real because you struggle with it every day. I know that I do. It's a struggle. And... And the thing about it is that it's, it's real and it destroys us and it's unstoppable by yourself. Because we've got this idea that somehow we can do some stuff that will, what will keep the, the power of sin at bay. But in verse 9, Paul makes it very clear when he writes here, it's not by works so that no one can boast. What is it by? It's by grace. It's not by works, but it's by 
grace. The power of sin, it's so strong. See, you can't outsmart, outwork, or outlast sin. The only thing that stops it is grace. That's what stops sin, is grace. You can't be good enough. You can't be smart enough, and you can't live long enough to stop sinning. I think sometimes, there were times when I was young, when, when as, a, as a young man, I struggled with all the things that young men struggle with. And those of you that are out there that are between the ages of about 12 and 25, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there were times in my life when I was young that I thought, man, it's going to be so good one day when I get to be like 80 and I don't have to deal with all that stuff anymore. Well, I'm 42, almost 43 now, and those struggles are still there. It's still a struggle. There's still those things, that, that, that those sins that want to come into my life and want to take over if I allow them to. But it's by grace that I, that I have to trust that Jesus will take care of those things for me. See, what you have to do today is you have to decide where you're going to live. Are you going to live by nature or are you going to live by grace? See, if, if you live by nature... Then, then the scripture tells us that, that we're dead in our sins. But if you live by grace, you can be made alive in Christ. If you live by nature, then, then you follow the desires of this world. But if you live by grace, you can be seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. If you live by nature, you're going to gratify the sinful nature and follow the spirit of the devil. But if you live by grace, you're created to do good works. If you can live by nature, you'll be objects of wrath. But if you live by grace, you can be saved through faith. The power that kills is real, but the great thing is, is that the power of grace is so much stronger. I'm going to pray in just a second. Our band's going to come up, and then I'm going to share one more scripture at the end and close, close out the sermon after we pray. So I want you to be sure you keep paying attention. But I want you to think about today, first of all, if if you've never experienced the power of grace in your life, and if you're just kind of hoping somewhere along the way that, that you're going to be good enough at the end and you're going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to say, okay, I'm weighing out the good things you did versus the bad things you did, and hey, good wins, congratulations, come on in. It doesn't work like that. Because the good you do can never outweigh the power of sin in your life. The only hope that you've got is by the grace of Jesus. Maybe you need to, for the very first time, you need to say, Jesus, I, I believe in you and I need the grace that you give because sin is in control. Now, maybe you're already a follower of Christ, but you would be honest and you would say, you know what? There's a few areas in my life where I'm living by my nature and I'm not living by grace. And I've just kind of gotten used to living by nature because I think because it comes natural to us, sometimes we do. We think, well, that's just who I am. And one day I'm going to die and go to heaven and I'll be delivered from that. But Jesus says that we can experience an abundant life now. We don't have to live like that now. So I'm going to pray for us. As I pray, I want you to think about what you need to do with your relationship with Jesus and how you need to deal with him today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, that that we don't have to live by what comes natural to us, that we can experience grace every day. Thank you for withholding punishment that we 
rightfully deserve. And thank you for rewarding us with things that we don't deserve. You are truly a loving God. Father, I, I pray that if there's anybody out there today that needs to give their life to you and begin to experience your grace for the first time, that you would speak to their heart right now. And Lord, if there's anybody there who claims to be a Christian, they've already given their life to you, but they're just living a lifestyle that would deny that, that they're living by nature and not by grace, I pray that you'd have them under conviction and you would confront them about that. Lord, we love you. We desperately need you, and we are thankful for your grace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's one last verse of, uh, of that passage that we read, and it's verse 10. I love verse 10 because it, we, we went from the first three verses where it said we're dead in our transgressions, there's no hope for us. Then we went from verse 4 to 9 that says the only hope we have is the grace of Jesus and the mercy of God and the great love of God. And then we get to verse 10, and then it says, now this is what you should do. And verse 10 says this, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, we don't get saved just to avoid punishment and just to avoid hell. But Jesus says, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to save you so I can put you to work. I'm going to save you so that, so that I've got jobs that I want you to do. It says, prepared in advance for us to do. And I want you to know that if, if you're a follower of Jesus, and, and, and your life consists of getting up, going to work, coming home, dealing with your kids, and that's it and there's nothing else going on, that, that there's no place of service you found, there's, there's nobody that you're praying for, there's nobody that you're building a relationship, there's nothing that you're doing to, to try to make an impact for the kingdom of God on this world, I want you to know that you're missing out on what Jesus really has for you. Because it says that He has prepared works for you to do in advance, and there's a job out there where He's waiting on you to get to work on it. And so imagine what would happen is if, if I did that as the pastor of this church. If I made sure that every day when I woke up, I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. Now imagine what would happen if our staff did that. And what if our elders did that? And what if our stewardship team did that? What if, what if every one of our children's workers and youth workers and preschool workers, what if they did that? Imagine what would happen if everybody in our band did that. And imagine what would happen if every single person that ever attends this church that every day, whether they go to work in a factory or on a, on a construction site or in an office or at a school classroom or wherever it is that they go to work or they go to school or in their neighborhood, that if every time they went in that place they were saying, God, I know you've got a work you want me to do in here today. I'm going to do it. Just show it to me. Imagine what impact that would have on this community if everybody at Freedom Fellowship were doing the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's what I'm praying will be our response, will be my response to the mercy, to the love, and to the grace of God.